Good morning. My name's Sam. If I don't know you, I'm the pastor here at Genesis, and welcome. We're continuing our series on our core values, and today we're going to be talking about fire and communion. They're going to put it up on the screen. Boom, there it is. It's gone black. There it is. It's back. And this is our fourth talk on, on this subject. Remember, we're looking at the natural environments, and we're seeing how these natural environments, we talked about wind, we talked about water, we talked about wood, today we're talking about fire. And just as these natural items are a part of our environment, there are spiritual things that take place that are also a part of our environment. And so we talked about wind, and wind was that mission is why the church exists. And we talked about how God moves and how the spirit and the wind and breath are all the same word, both in the Hebrew and in the Greek. And just as Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit and now go and be my witnesses, that we take this as our commission. And these elements are what steer us as a community. These core values are things that we think about as we do something. We want to know, is this in line with those core values that we have? And mission is why the church exists. That is why we are in Haiti. That is why we are in Mexico. That is why we want to reach out to the community around us, whether it be helping with a healthy start or other areas in the school district that we can be a part of. We see ourselves as postured, leaning forward into these areas, wanting to be of service, wanting to be the voice of God, the wind, the breath of God in these areas. Then we talked about water. Love is the context of all mission. And Michael shared with us how love is the foundation of why we do what we do. And it's so important that love is what motivates us. It's not because we have to. It's not out of necessity. If I give to the poor but I have not love, I'm nothing. And so love is what motivates us. Love is what moves us. Last week we talked about wood, how structure must always submit to spirit. And we looked at how the way God moves is through people, not through organizations. And so Genesis is going to look like the people who are a part of it. If you come to Genesis, you change what we look like because you are a part of what God is using to move forward. And so we don't try and fit people into what we want to do. We want God to move us as we look. And we recognize the value of each person who is here at Genesis. And just like that vine that is growing, and Jesus said, you are the vine, or I am the vine, you are the branches. We talked about that you is not singular, it is plural. You are the branches. And so we see ourselves connected to one another, and that is how fruit is produced. And today we are talking about fire. We're looking at communion and its relevance to culture is not optional. Now when you read relevance to culture is not optional, the first thing you think about usually is culture and relevance. Okay, we're talking about relevance and culture. That's the focus. But it doesn't begin with the culture. It begins with God. 
And so we are going to look at how our connection to God affects who we are and how we look in the culture around us. And we know here that fire is not God, but do we recognize that God is a fire? Because that's what we want to look at and see how that fire is to engulf us and the world around us. And so if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read verses 18 to 29. If you need a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand and Alex or someone will get it to you. And if you don't have a Bible, you can have that one gratis. No shame. Just take it. Don't sell it. Okay. That's for your own consumption. But if you need it, otherwise we're in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. The writer of Hebrews says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. And the writer is talking about an event that took place in Exodus when God rained fire on this mountain and he's explaining to them the event. Goes on in verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape, When they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Father, as we talk about this and other passages, may we recognize your awe. May we stand in wonder of who you are and may reverence grip our souls, our lives, and may it move us to a response as we respond to your majesty, as we respond to your holiness, as we respond to the fire of who you are. And I thank you again for this time. Illuminate our understanding, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
as we get this picture in Hebrews, it's a powerful example of our God being a consuming fire. It's this reminder of when God shook the earth itself. And now he says, oh, he shook the earth, but now he's shaking the heavens as well. It's not confined to that place. It is now spreading. And our God is a consuming fire is to give us an understanding that God is going to consume those things that he touches this new and better way through Jesus. You know, sometimes we, we see God and we think of fire, but we think of fire in maybe our own elements. I mean, I love that we have a fireplace in our home. We don't use it much now because it's 106 degrees out. But I can remember the times when especially the kids were small and we would all sit down and we'd light a fire and we'd warm ourselves by the fire. But, you know, the fire is there safe. It's behind the glass. It's in the brick. It's there nice and confined. And we get the warmth out of it, but it's in its place. Or maybe you go to a beach. Beach fires are the best, right? You go there and it's cool, but there's the fire and you can smell the smoke and you try to make s'mores. You know, beach fires aren't good for s'mores. It's just the fire goes everywhere and you get more smoke than fire sometimes. But it's confined to that fire pit. Even when those guys, you know, bring the truck and unload the pallets next to you, right? It's like you've got a little wood there and you've got a nice fire and all of a sudden there's this blaze next to you, you know. It's like, oh, the fire is going and you think, oh, that's great. It's still contained. It's still in this place. And a lot of times we want to experience God like that kind of a fire. I I want God in my life, but I want it contained. I want him in the fireplace. I want him behind the glass. I want him in the fire pit. I want him to take, you know, just keep his place. And, And I don't want him to run wild. I don't want him to take over everything. And so I'm going to allow him to have this place in my home. You can have the fireplace, God. You're a fire. There you go. I'll turn the gas on. Now you have some fuel. And that's the place that we have for God. It's limited to maybe a Sunday morning. It's limited to maybe a Wednesday night. It's limited to the things that we allow him to have influence in our lives. But it doesn't take over everything. I mean, come on, God, you don't want to have a say in my business. Come on, God, you don't want to have a say in my sex life. Come on, God, you, you just have your fireplace. That's good for you, and I'm happy with that. Or maybe it's fireworks. You know, Fireworks are another great display as we see a rocket soar and then explode in the sky and go, ooh, eh, and it's all neat. And then there's you know, the finality that lasts you know, for 15 minutes if it's a good one. And it just goes on and on and on. And it's like, oh, that's spectacular. And a lot of us want to experience God as spectacular. Oh, God impressed me. Oh, we were moved with the song. I was so touched. Oh, that's great. And it touches us and it's fire for a moment. But then... It goes out. It's gone. As soon as I get in the car and drive off the parking lot, my experience was God was wonderful, but it was momentary. It doesn't really carry on with me. But that's not the fire that he's talking about. He's talking about a fire that consumed a mountain, a fire that is to consume us. When my son... Daniel was younger. I, I shared this story, I think, once before. Someone who, who really wanted to make sure that he had a lot of fun and enjoyed his childhood gave him some firecrackers. 
I won't say who, but it wasn't his mom. Um, and so he had these firecrackers. And, you know, because I'm a, a caring parent, I was supervising him. I was in the house drinking something while he was outside. Um, and I saw him put this firecracker in when we had a palm tree. And it was just getting dark. And he went to light the firecracker. And the next thing we know, the whole palm tree went whoosh. It just, it just went whoosh. That's what it did. And I remember I saw my son and he went, ah, he screamed and went running. And I was inside and I went, ah, I screamed. And he came running towards me. I went running towards the hose as the palm tree is there in embers. I'm putting the hose and getting it, putting it out. You see, he thought it was going to be just a little firecracker, but he didn't realize that palm tree had all that like fur, or whatever it is that they have, and that that stuff's really flammable. If you didn't know that, I just wanted you to be aware that palm trees ignite like that. You see, there was no containing it. And if you are going to recognize the fire of God, it is something that is going to engulf us. It is something that is going to consume you. And it is meant to. There's another passage of Scripture in Exodus where you know the story. Exodus goes and he sees a bush and he's wondering, curiously, that bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it, it did not burn up. And I thought, you know, well, wait a second. Our God is a consuming fire. God is in this bush. Why isn't the bush being consumed? Why isn't the bush being burned up? Because God wasn't there to consume the bush. He was there to consume Moses. And he did. He engulfed his life. And you look at Moses from that time on, he was not the same. He was fleeing Egypt. Now he's going back. Now he's standing before Pharaoh and he's being used by God to deliver the people. Now he's being out in the wilderness, being chased by the Egyptian army, standing at the Red Sea, and he cries, God, what are you doing? You brought us out here. They're saying, have you brought us out here to die? And he goes, God, let's take time. Let's pray. And God says, why are you praying? Stop praying. Move. you got to put your staff down. I'm going to part the seas. And then God leads them there. And then for 40 years, man, that's what happens when you talk to a burning bush. The next 40 years of your life are in a desert wandering getting manna from heaven, getting water from a rock, being a judge over these people. And it says about Moses that he would talk to God as a friend talks face to face. Because that moment he encountered the bush, the fire of God, his life was consumed. And you see, that's the only kind of fire that God is going to have in our lives. He's not going to be relinquished to the fireplace. He wants to burn the place down. And he won't be contained. You know, if you want to do an experiment, go home today and set the curtains on fire. And then go in the other room and try and enjoy something nice, cold to drink. Don't do that. Some of you are looking at me horrifically like, what are you saying to us? I was joking, okay? You will not be able to do that. Because once the house goes, it's taking everything.
with it. And when God comes into our lives, he's wanting to consume all of us. But you see, the thing about fire is what it does is it transforms whatever it burns. It, it takes it and it makes it something else. And so it will take that wood and it will turn it to the fire, the flame, and then it will become ash. It will become something different. It's amazing that happens with things that we cook too, right? My wife was making brownies last night, but they're not for us. I just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know what goes into brownie mix, because I don't bake, but there's probably brownie stuff, you know, cake mix. I don't know what, if it's different than cake, but, you know, you, you've got your ingredients like flowers or eggs or milk or water i don't know okay but you you put that stuff in the pan and it's there but when you put it into the oven and you add the fire then it changes and it becomes delicious and it becomes brownies it's like magic but transformation takes place when the fire comes and transformation is to take place in our lives as well. And it's supposed to. John the Baptist said of Jesus, the day of the Lord went ahead of, but that by day the Lord went ahead of them. Oh, this is in Exodus again. A pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. So we see God again showing up in the fire. Here's the one I wanted to show you. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, I understand baptism in water. You go under, you come out, and I'm all about this. But what is this baptism with fire? And it's the same idea of this consumption. It's the same idea that it's going to engulf us it's going to change us it's going to consume us i don't have this but in luke 12 jesus says the same thing that he says let's see 12 i had the verse oh i'm skipping chapters here i'm sorry jesus said therefore i where is he okay this is what I get for doing things at the last minute. Verse 49, 12:49. he says, I have come to bring fire on earth and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo and what constraints I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to being peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division like, wait, what about all those Christmas carols? Didn't you know he wrote those already? Why, what are you saying here? I've come to bring division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He wanted to make sure everyone knew they were included. So even if you're an in-law, you're part of this consumption here. 
He says, I have come to bring fire and I wished it was already kindled. And this fire is going to consume you. God is not asking to be a part of your life. He's asking for your life. He's asking to have a dynamic relationship with you, an influential relationship with us. He's asking to consume us, to transform us, and to make us in to something else. Will we relinquish him to the fireplace? Or will we let him go? And he says, I'm torching the place. This place has to go and it has to become something else. Moses, I'm going to talk to you, but I'm going to make you someone else. And you think of the illustration of Moses. He's this little sheep herder in the middle of the desert. It says he's on the back side of the desert, not even the front side. He's on the back side of the desert, wherever that is. He's there tending however many sheep he is and the fire of God takes his life and he leads a nation because he transformed him into someone else. God is wanting to transform us into someone else. And so many times I feel like we're saying, okay, God, this is what I'll give you. This is all I want to be. And God says, you're just a sheep herder. Don't you see? I have something more for you. And it's like, well, God, you can have this. And he goes, no, I want it all. I need you to be transformed. And well, I'll give you a little more, but stay away from this part of the house because I just redecorated and I don't want it getting charred and I don't want it getting burnt and I don't want you. And he says, I need it all. I'm going to torch the place and it's coming down and I'm going to change you into someone else. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. And maybe you're here this morning and I want to ask you a question. When is the last time you felt the presence of God as a reality in your life? And not just as a moment when you were at church. When was the last time you were driving and the voice of God spoke into your heart? And moved your soul? When is the last time you heard the presence of God and his voice and his spirits leading and said, I need to step and do this. I I want to see this take place in my life. When is the last time God had an active role in your life? Or has it been passive for so long? Now it's something that you don't hear. It's not something that you recognize. You have to go somewhere to hear God or or experience God. You have to watch the fireworks. Woo, that was pretty. That was neat. Okay, I'm on my way. But when was the last time God was actively involved in you? Because if that's not happening... That's what he wants to make happen. That's the flame that needs to take our lives and transform us to people who now are people of the wind, people who hear the voice of God and move as the Spirit of God leads. We are people of the water. The love of God constrains us and it moves us to do these things. We are people who bear fruit. We are a community that grows together, the wood, the vine, attached to those, the branches attached to that vine that bears that fruit. We are now the fire that God unleashes 
into the world around us. And, and Jesus wishes that it was already kindled. He wishes it was already here. And he wants this to take place. And when the church began, it's not coincidental that it was, again, that illustration of fire. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. We see that that fire came and set them ablaze and then the church was born. The, the work of God was now engulfing the lives of everyone around them. And it was changing the world because it changed the people. I think we've been content to let God be a part of our lives but not consume us. We, we've been content to experience God in, in that safe environment but not allow Him the whole house. We've been content to have a brief firework-like experiences of God, but they're at a distance. And the communion with God is not something that is taking place. You see, the relevance to culture begins with God. It begins with the fire that consumes and changes the person. It doesn't begin with culture. It begins with God. God is trying to change us. And God is wanting to make us holy, but he's not wanting to make us holy so that he could be proud of us. Yes, I'm proud of you. Look how good they are. They're holy. He's not making us holy so that he can be proud of us. He's trying to make us holy so that he could be present in us. So that when people see you, they're going to walk by you just to get warm. When people see you and hear you, they're going to ask you, what, can I get some advice? I'm having struggles in my marriage, in my relationship. I, I need some help. They're going to see you and they're going to say, I, I would like if you could talk to my son because of the struggles he's going through and I don't know what to say to him. But I think you do. You see, the fire that consumes us is there so that God could be present in us and with us and then the world sees that glow. And, and so instead of trying to make yourself do things, you know, okay, I, I gotta be holy, I gotta stop doing this, I gotta stop doing this. It seems like that's what the church has been all about. Let's get everyone to do the right things, okay? Yeah, there's no more this, no more that. Okay, you can't see that, you can't watch that, can't listen to this. Maybe you can do that, but only on these days. Okay, only on weddings, and it's in small amounts. Okay, that's it. You know, we have all our little rules that we said, you know, that this is what you can or can't do. And God isn't out to stop us doing this and to start doing this. God is out to set us on fire. He's out to consume us so that our lives are aflame with the presence of God so that people walk near us and are burned. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where the King Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the fire because they would not bow down and worship him or the image of him. They said, no, maybe God will deliver us, maybe not. And they threw him in the fire and they heated the fire up so much that those who went to throw him in were consumed. But they were still alive in the fire. And they said, you know, didn't we throw three of them in there? 
Why are there four? And one of them looks like the gods. Come out. And they come out of that fire because they are the fire themselves that God is going to use to consume the world that they were in. And just as God used Daniel in his culture, God is desiring to use us in our culture. God is wanting to use our words to influence the people around us in the things that we say and the things that we do. When Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, in chapter 14, five times he says, when the unbeliever is there in your midst. It's so interesting because if you ask people, well, what is church about? Well, it's the build up the saints, the edification of the body of Christ, and it's all about the us and the us. Then why in Corinthians, which is probably one of the most, you know, problematic churches that we know of that Paul writes about, why in this place does he say five times, when the unbeliever is there in your midst, they are to encounter God so that they would fall down and say, God is with us, God is here in this place. Why is that supposed to happen? Because it is. Because we are supposed to have those who are outside of faith be with us. But have you noticed that church seems to be just for those who go to church? We've made it our own little subculture. And and so now a person comes to a, a church and there's benches at a lot of places. It's like, what are these? Oh, they're called pews. Called what? You ever thought of that name? What, who, who thought of that name? And why? You know, oh, you don't know who sat here before me. You know, I mean, what's, what's the idea? Pew. It's a, you go and you, okay, there's these benches. We've got to sit in, in these pews. And we're, we're all doing these things. And I don't know the structure. I don't know what's going on. And what we've done is we've made things so exclusive to us where people don't understand what it is we do. But I know that's for you and that's not for me. And relevance to culture is not optional because God, wherever he shows up, invades that culture. And he does it through the people. He did it with Daniel. Daniel looked like one of them. He did it with Joseph. Joseph looked like one of them. His brothers didn't even recognize him because he looked like one of the Egyptians. But most importantly, God did that in Jesus. God became a man. And I got to tell you, when Jesus was born and showed up, he looked and had the skin color of his mother, which is probably dark brown to almost black. I know the pictures don't show him that way, but they didn't go around saying, look at that pink baby. He looked like the people. He had the accent of the people around him. Not to be sacrilegious, he smelled like the people around him. He didn't smell like the best cologne out there. That's from God. Yes, smell him. No, he smelled like the people around him. God shows up and he looks like everyone around him. But he changed the world around him because of who he was. 
And so he didn't go and say, okay, I don't like these things of this culture. I'm going to talk in a different language. I'm going to do different things. No, they condemned him because he was hanging out where they hang out. Why does your teacher sit with the the publicans, the sinners, the tax collectors? Why does he fit in with them? Because he is trying to reach them. And so he needs to speak their language. He needs to be able to communicate clearly to them. And instead, what we have done is we have set ourselves so outside of culture that we have nothing in common. You, you, you know, you, you have your kids and they're in their own private schools. And I'm not condemning private schools, so don't freak out. You, you have your own music, Christian music. We have our own clothing, Christian clothing. We have our own radio stations, Air One. We have our own everything. And we've put ourselves in this bubble. And so now your kid who's raised in a Christian school and only hears Christian music and only, you know, hears Christian radio on your radio and he goes to school and someone's listening to Avenge Sevenfold and they're they're thinking, what the heck is that? Oh man, this is the new album from so and so. And have you heard it? I never even knew who they were. Oh, hey, did you see the latest movie? Oh, I'm not allowed to go to the movies. What? Can't go to the movies? Well, no, I can. I can go see you know anything that's rated G. Okay, no, I can't go to the movies. You know, it's like, you know, you're so limited in the things that you can do that pretty soon you have nothing in common. And you can't talk about things. You can't. There's no connection point. It's like, well, let me tell you about what I believe. And you stand out like the pink baby in the middle of all these brown and black babies. When we were in La Paz, uh, when did we go to La Paz? A few months ago. June. When we were in June. We were talking with some friends and we were sitting down at the coffee shop and we started talking about TV shows. Do you guys watch Breaking Bad? Oh, Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. We were talking about Breaking We started talking about music. Started talking about movies. And here are people who are down at Southern Baja and we had a lot of things that were in common just by the things that we watched, the things that we listened to. And as we were talking with them, we were saying, do you see how these things have connected us in these two parts of the world? And and they were followers of Christ. Do you realize that all these people around you probably also have watched Breaking Bad, also listened to this music, also watched these movies? Do you realize that you have all that in common if you would just recognize that these are things that they do, these are things that we do, and we can actually be relevant and connecting with them? That it's not, I have to be so separated that I have nothing in common with the world around us. Jesus showed up. He looked like the world. He sounded like the world. He smelt like the world around him. And he influenced the world around him. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's why we say relevance to culture is not optional. 
We don't start with culture. We start with God. God who consumes us. God who engulfs us. God who changes our lives. And then we are sent out as these flames of fire out into a world that is cold and is dark and we're there to bring and illuminate the truth of who God is. But we do it there where they at. So you speak the language and you think, well, you don't need to you know, talk in culture. You don't need to speak those things or you, know, you don't need to be a part of the culture. You ever go to another country and not speak the language i have i'm trying to learn spanish just so i can because i hate going there and smiling and looking like an idiot all right and they said there oh i'm just and i have to look what do you say what do you say i have no my my voice is limited if i don't speak the language our voice is limited if we don't speak the language. And so we are supposed to have that influence. Have have you noticed that language is changing? The, The things that used to be considered profanity are daily happening on TV. Have you noticed that, anybody? Now, here here's what we can do. not going to stand for that. I'm going to boycott those TV shows and those TV channels. Okay, I can't watch TV anymore. Okay, I'm, you know, you go somewhere and someone starts talking and they drop a word and you're like, oh, like what? Well, I'd appreciate it if you didn't use that word. What word? See, to them, it's just a word. To you, it's profanity. Now, I'm not telling you to use profanity But do you recognize that if you're offended by everything everyone says, pretty soon you will not be able to listen to anybody? And they might be telling you something that's important in their soul, but you will not hear it because you're too concerned about the profanity? Do you know where you're living? Do you know the world that you're living? Do you recognize what the kids are saying in the third grade? And that this is common language now because most of them hear it at home regularly and they don't consider it profanity? What are you going to do with that information? Are you going to try and get them to change? Are you going to realize that the boat has already sailed, it's moved on? How do I move and get the flame to them where they're at and listen to them in spite of the language that they use? Because if you're offended by that, you will be limiting your voice in their lives because you're trying to correct that. Oh, don't talk that way to me. Okay. What you're saying is don't talk to me at all. Do you realize that? Don't talk that way. Okay. All right. Yeah, I won't talk that way. And then they just shut the door. It's like you're trying to clean the fish before you catch it. You're worrying about what they say before you worry about who they are. Relevance to culture, it's not optional. This is the world we live in. This is the world God loves. This is the world we are sent out to. We need to recognize that. And we need to be on fire so that we can be the experience of God for them. The power of our communion with God cannot be measured in our experience. It must be measured in 
the experience of those who do not believe in God. I don't care how much you experience God, how much do others experience God through you. Because if it's just you, it ends there. But you see, we need your flame. Your flame ignites the flame of someone else, and that flame ignites the flame of someone else. And you guys know that if you put a charcoal just by itself, it won't last, but you get a bunch of them, then it can build up. Then you can have a barbecue. The flame has to spread. Otherwise, what good is it in that fireplace? God says, it's serving me no purpose there. I want to consume your life. I want to make you holy so that I can be present in you. And present in you is then going to unleash itself on those around you. Because your experience of God is meant to be in the culture that you live in. Jesus stepped into this world into the context of the people that he came into. He was not a cultural or a subcultural person. He was a Jew. He looked like a Jew. You live in this world. You need to influence the people of this world. He's our most compelling evidence that we can be relevant without accommodating a culture. In fact, the incarnation of Jesus is God's undeniable evidence that relevance to culture is not optional. I will go and be where you are, communicate to who you are to set your soul on fire because that is the purpose. Make no mistake, God is here to consume. He is here to engulf. He is here to transform. Now the problem with this flame and the light that comes from it is it also exposes. And a lot of times we don't want that flame to engulf our lives because we don't want those areas of our life to be exposed. I don't want to have to deal with that. I just assume keep that my secret. And we have all kinds of skeletons in our closets. And we're like, yeah, I'm just going to keep the door shut on this. I can go do the church thing, do the fireplace thing, do the firework thing, even talk to people about Jesus. I'm just going to keep this closet closed because, you know, I don't want the light exposing that. But you can't set your soul on fire and keep the closet at the same time. God says, no, it's got to come down. I've got to torch it. And so the closet has to open so that the fire can come in and consume it. And and you see, stop thinking about the skeletons. Stop thinking about the things that you are ashamed of. Stop thinking about all the things that you don't want anyone to know. And start thinking about the person you want to be. Start thinking about the fire that can transform your life to be the man, the woman, the human being that can set the world on fire. Stop being content as a shepherd in the backside of the desert and let the fire of God consume you and take you to a place and become a person you could never imagine. Don't let a closet stop you from being engulfed by the flame of God. Let it have its way. It'll hurt, it'll burn, and it'll keep coming coming up, God say, hey, what are you putting in the closet? No, nothing, nothing, nothing. It's okay. It's, and he goes, open the door. Oh, I don't want to open the door. Have you ever noticed that when you are exposed of something wrong in your life, that even in that time of exposure, there is this 
realization of the presence of God? How is it that God could be present at a time where I'm being exposed because that's exactly where he wants to be? And now that I've been exposed, I can set it aflame and I can torch it and let it burn because what I want is communion. What I want is union with God. What I want is the fire of God. I want to be set on fire and I want to be unleashed into the world around us and I'm not going to be relinquished to that closet, that fireplace, that fire pit. I'm not going to settle for an experience that's like fireworks and is gone. I'm going to allow my life to be consumed in communion with God and I am going to live that life in the world where I am. Am. I am going to communicate in the language they speak, the music they listen to, the culture they're in. I am going to be fire right here, right now. And watch the world change. I'm going to stop making them become what I cannot be, what I don't even want to be. I'm not going to conform them to be something else. I'm going to take the flame and let God consume them where they are at. And so this fourth element of fire, it starts with God. It starts with communion, God consuming us, and then it ends with culture. Because we are going to take God, who is relevant everywhere, every culture, every period of time, we're going to unleash that flame in the community around us, in the world around us. Let's pray. Father, I don't think there is a person here that is not challenged to be more, that is not in need of that flame that would burn up and transform us in some way and in some place. And it's not important what those areas are. It's important whether we want you to consume us. The importance is if we want you to be that consuming fire, if, if we will go to the bush like Moses and then allow that bush, that flame, to consume our lives. And Lord, I believe that your spirit is prompting us, is pushing us towards that flame. And maybe some of us are, are standing back saying, no, it's hot, it's going to burn. But like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, being thrust into the furnace did not kill them. It only purified and illuminated who you were in them. And so Lord, may we step into that flame May we allow it to burn away the things that need to be burned and allow it to transform us into who you want us to be. May we stop living safe Christian lives. May we set ourselves aflame. And may we not fear the world that is around us, but may they see the fire of God in us and like Moses to the burning bush may they come up to us to see why is it you're on fire but you don't burn what is it that is about you that I need may they come to be warmed by the flame that is within us but may we leave the safety of our walls 
the safety of that fireplace and go into the world around us and take that fire and allow it to spread. As we continue in worship right now, if the Spirit of God is stirring you, maybe there is an area of life that you know needs to be consumed and you haven't let it go and you want it to to be burned. As we start worshiping, it's our way of stepping into that flame and saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm taking a step. I want that flame to burn. Maybe you've been afraid or ashamed of who you are as a follower of Jesus and you need to change the way you think and recognize that what God wants to do in you is something fresh and alive and new and he's not trying to conform you into uh, an image of what people have told you a Christian is. He wants to conform you into who Jesus is. And Jesus was right in the middle of his world changing it and he wants to do the same with you maybe you need to change your perspective as we sing and worship allow God to change those things and how you see yourself and who you are as a follower of Jesus and maybe you're here and you've just been beaten up because you have been unable to do and live and be the person you know you should be And you keep trying to conform and and to stop doing this and to start doing this. And it's just wearing you out. May you stop focusing on the things you need to stop doing. And may you focus on the, the person that God wants to make you to become. If we even had a glimpse of who God wants us to be, we would put everything down to become that we would consider it all rubbish to take hold of what God has set before us. May you see, may you get a glimpse of who God has created you to be and not let anything keep you from becoming that man, that woman. And as we worship, let's surrender to that vision of what God has for us. Amen. have one more thing I want to do before uh, we dismiss tonight. Again, there will be people out there praying if you want prayer. But this is my last chance to embarrass this person for a while. And so I'm going to call Stephen Dillon up here. Come on. Stephen is going into the Marine Corps. He's leaving today. Don't hurt me. I've known him since he was shorter than me. (laughs) Let's pray for Stephen and pray for his family. Lord, we ask that your presence be with Stephen throughout his duty, Lord. We pray that you would keep him safe, protect him from harm, and Lord, that you would be strong in and through him. Lord, I lift up his family that is concerned and loves him, Lord. We entrust him and them to you, Lord, that you are watching over him. And Father, you are always at work. May you continue your work in his life, perfect what you've begun in him. And we thank you again for his service on our behalf, Lord.
We appreciate all he is doing and he will do for us. Lord, watch over him, we pray, and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now. God bless you guys. Remember, community groups tomorrow.